Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Awesome. Good family atmosphere in here tonight. Derek. I was going to move this down there. I'll just stay up here. How are y'all this morning? Good. So it has been an incredible couple weeks. I have been in a beautiful, wonderful process with Jesus. And uh, today I'm going to be coming out out of that process. There's some stuff that God has been sharing with me over the past couple weeks. And I think it's a direction that God has got us headed as a family here, as Life Church, and some things that he wants to begin to uh, see more productivity in relationship with him. Because in relationship with him, I look like him, so I produce fruit like him. If you've been in our... uh, 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 discipleships on Monday nights, our Life Academy. We have just been in some good stuff. Uh, so let's just, we're just going to go ahead and dive right into it this morning. Actually, before we dive into it, got a few really important things to share with you. I got some new jokes this morning. All right, y'all ready? We'll share a few and then we'll jump into the word. It's joy. There's so much joy. Whoever wrote the song Easy Like Sunday Morning never took his kids to church. <laughs> I told my girlfriend she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. That's very good. <laughs> Before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you do criticize them, you're a mile away and you got their shoes. <laughs> All right, one more and we'll get serious. Instead of the John, I name my toilet the gym. That way, it sounds better when I say the first thing I do in the morning is go to the gym. All right, let's get started. (laughs) If you would, stand to your feet. I want you to find somebody next to you and say, right place, right time. Now I want you to look at somebody else and say, our table. All right, I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 23, verse 5. That's where we're going to start this morning. We're going to read this one scripture, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to sit down. Psalms chapter 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence, somebody say presence, presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. It ain't level full, it's running over. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We love you. We thank you. You're a good father full of good things for your children, sons and daughters. I pray today, God, if there's somebody in this house that doesn't know you personally, as they begin to see the inheritance that you've prepared before the foundations of the world, they begin to see that there is nothing better than the abundant life we have in you, Jesus. And I pray, Father, as this family together begins to dive into the inheritance you have bought, paid for, and prepared before your children, that our eyes be enlightened, our hearts begin to understand the power and authority through knowledge you have given us to walk this thing out, to see the kingdom progress, darkness destroyed, sickness healed, freedom in relationships, marriages restored, communities brought back to the very place Jesus ordained them to be in. We love you. Amen. Amen. You can sit down. All right. So, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Let's jump to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. We're going to read that and then we're going to come back. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 through 4. 
Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power. Somebody say power. Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Somebody say they're my promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In this chapter, in Psalms 23, verse 5, David is talking about a table prepared before him, before his enemies. And what I find really intriguing about this is anything prepared by God is complete, whole, full of everything I'll ever need. And David says, you've prepared this before my enemies. If we are children of light, we're created in his image, in his likeness, we were to carry the same power and authority that Jesus walked on this earth with, then everything that I would label as an enemy would be anything that is opposition to the light I carry. Anything that tells me anything else besides life, life more abundantly, healing, joy, peace, his nature, if it's anything that is contrary to the foundation that Jesus laid, that is truth and the full truth, then therefore Therefore, it is my opposition. So you could read this scripture. He's prepared a table before my opposition. He didn't say, I'm going to give you the full capacity of everything I have for you when you come out of this season where opposition isn't as difficult. So I don't need opposition to settle down. I need to understand what's prepared. Okay, because see, so many times as believers, opposition will blind us to the very fullness of what God has prepared for us. See, it's really easy to quote the things that we have in truth, but when opposition comes, where do you find your focus in what is being produced out of your life? We've been learning in discipleship, we weren't created to be governed by seasons, we were created to govern the seasons, so therefore I produce after his nature in every area of my life, no matter the opposition. So David is beginning to reveal to us that in the midst of total opposition, I have a table prepared for me that was just what God had set out for me. The thing about a table, the thing about the things sitting on the table, I can come home from work and my beautiful wife have an incredible dinner set for me on the table. But if I never go sit down and partake of it, it's absolutely useless. I can smell it. It can have all the nutritional value I need to be strong and healthy. But if I never sit down, then I can smell it all day long. I can know it all day long. And I can tell everyone around me that there is a table prepared for me, but never sit down and never partake. See, we have the best knowledge of the word, but the word is to be partnered with the Holy Spirit and understand that I have an inheritance that he's calling me to sit down at. Opposition, enemies, opposition. Opposition is everything that opposes life and your destiny in God. Everything that doesn't line up with Jesus' message that light rules every shadow of darkness. It's opposition. And he said, I didn't need opposition to leave. I wasn't going to make it leave. I was going to reveal to you that I had prepared a table full of the inheritance that you would need to operate in every good thing of God. And I just need you to understand it and sit down. 
sit down. See, what's beautiful about this, if I don't understand that I have a preordained spot at the table, then I'll feel like I need to convince my opposition and my situations that I have a spot. There's a difference from being fully persuaded that through royalty in Jesus Christ, I've been stamped by him. I have his last name. I have his identity. So therefore, that spot at that table is my spot. Nobody can take it from me. Nobody can remove it from me. But if I sit down, I don't have to spend my life convincing myself that I'm better than the opposition. I just sit down and then I live in a place of power and authority over opposition. If we spend our lives convincing ourselves, convincing our enemies, convincing our opposition that I actually do have the things of God, then I'll spend my life tired and burn out. Instead, I just needed to sit down, understand what he's saying, know his nature, and then therefore I'm presented in his likeness, so I walk in it. You know what, burnout, I've heard this so many times growing up, because if you're in religion, it's really easy to get burnt out. Religion is a knowledge, but not the action and application of a thing. It's me having a whole lot of head knowledge about certain particular things, but never having the application of relationship. See, if you have all the knowledge in the world of the promises in the word, but you're not partnering with God, co-laboring in relationship, then I don't get to step in the fullness and begin to see all the fruit of the inheritance he paid for. At this table, our father didn't forget anything. We have everything we could ever need. Not when opposition ceases, but right in the midst. Somebody needs to understand that. Your situation does not need to change. Nothing needs to change. You need to understand who you are, the authority you have in the seated position of relationship with God. It is not enough to have a knowledge of a thing. It, is, it has to be applied through intimate relationship with the Father. I can't say I know him, live outside of his nature and wonder what's wrong. It's not just the knowledge of a thing. It's the application through relationship. No matter the opposition, we have the final say in the seated position of authority with our Father. Now let's go to 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. We're going to read this again because there's some really good stuff in here. We're going to pull out, extract. Somebody, if you catch this, will walk out of here today and see somebody with a hurt leg, a hurt back, a broken marriage, a broken relationship, and you will stand in the gap between heaven and earth and begin to call down the supernatural things that are our inheritance to prove that our God is God and he is as good and faithful as he says he is. We're supposed to be reflections of his nature. We spend our life trying to convince the situations that we are who we aren't really. When I am... Who the Bible says I am, I walk in his divine nature and it just produces because I'm spending time in the intimate place and I understand who he is, how he reacts, what he would do in every situation because it's being applied. Knowledge unapplied is just knowledge. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Say knowledge. knowledge. Now say it like you mean it. And of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I want to stop right there. He said knowledge in two verses. There is obviously great implications on what he's saying. But let's break this word knowledge down right here. This word knowledge right here in the Greek means epignosis. Epignosis is a greater participation by the knower, thus more powerfully influencing him. If you jump on down, he goes into the scripture where virtue be added to you, glory and virtue by virtue, knowledge. And he quotes knowledge again. Knowledge quoted on down there is a seeking to know and inquiry. We do need knowledge of the word and who he is and who he says he is. But the knowledge he's talking about that allows you to step into the full inheritance through his power, he gave all things. See, it's by his power that he gave it. So everything thing I have, it's not weak, it's not belittled, darkness has no control, it has no authority. I live in full authority and strength that God has given me because it's by his power. He didn't supply it by my knowledge, he supplied it by his power. But see, he shows us right here, but through the knowledge, but this knowledge is participation in relationship that therefore transforms the way I live and think. So he's saying, it's by my power I've given you everything, but it's through your participation that releases it. You don't live in it because you don't participate. Participation is a, it is a conscious effort to build relationship when you do not feel it. Testimony time. Who I didn't know I was going to share this, but I'm going to. So for two weeks now, uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to Texas to preach a camp meeting. Before I got ready to go to Texas, two days before I left for Texas, uh, when I was really young, I've had one anxiety attack in my life, one. And it was when I was 13, and I, I had it when I was going to a private school. Uh, I had an anxiety attack. It was the first one, last one I've ever had in my life. Uh, and I remember what it felt like. I remember what was going through my mind. I remember the way it made my skin feel. And it would, it would, uh, it would be like a heat got in the room. And it would just flood me all at one time. And it was almost like a heat that was on the outside of my skin that I felt like I could wipe off. But it would get so strong and so heavy, and then everything would feel like it starts coming in on you. And, it would, and then when I was 13 and I had that one, and it come all the way in on me, it broke my mind, and I just was hysterical. Well, two weeks ago, before I got ready to go to Texas, some really strange things as far as feelings left. So normally, when you get in prayer, when I would get in these situations, I would pray for the sick, I would do these things, there would be a feeling of like, I can't explain it, it would just be a feeling with it. The feeling left. And then I began to go through this process with God. And then in this process, Satan began to shoot fiery darts. But see, I didn't realize that God was putting me in a process because my walk with God was really contingent on how I felt in the moment. It was really easy for me to pray for the sick, see them get healed when I felt it. But when the feeling wasn't there, I was more adamant to serve God but not step into fullness. So when I got in this process, within a one-week span, I had eight almost anxiety attacks. Eight in one week. I had the worst week at work I'd had in a while. Crazy busy. And I am normally pretty confident in my job and what I have to do at my job. And I would get so overwhelmed with fear at my job to accomplish the task and an anxiety attack would come on me. But see, when I was 13, it took me all the way to the place where I broke and I couldn't bring my mind back. It took days for me to get over that one situation. 
When these started coming on, all the side effects that happened when that one happened, it would get right to the point where I felt like my mind was going to just break and it would, it would just ease up. And it would come all the way back to the point where I, could, I was okay. I could handle it. I was still good, still pursuing. And no feelings. Feelings were not being found. Prayer, no feelings. Uh, speaking out, no feelings. Feelings were gone. That's okay. I wasn't created to live by feelings. I was created to live by faith. But we have too many believers that your ability to live in your inheritance is completely dependent on feelings and how, what, how things are going. No, that's a contingent relationship that does not show your ability to be committed. So I was driving home from work one day and I'd come over here into prayer, nothing. Just proclaiming what I know about God, speaking life into what was seemed like death and just declaring it. And I was driving down the driveway after getting called out one night at like two o'clock in the morning. I was driving home and I got almost to the house and I was sitting in the truck and I said, God, I feel like a terrible person to say this, but I don't feel like I love you, but I love you. I love you with everything in me. I got nothing else. You're everything and I love you and I'm sorry, but I don't feel like I love you, but I love you and I'm gonna stay committed. And that was all I said. And then I went inside and nothing changed. The feeling didn't come back. But then Holy Spirit began to show me. He said, I'm trying to take you to a place where you live in an inheritance that's not contingent on the way you feel and what your opposition looks like. See, we need believers that show the true goodness of God through lives that in total opposition, I'm still seated at the table God has prepared for me. When we show a flaky relationship, we do the world an injustice by not showing them the full goodness of who he is. You claim to be a believer, but you ride every storm and emotion and every opposition and every feeling. You're not doing God a favor by praying and just declaring, I love Jesus, even though you are sour all the time, you're negative all the time, you got a bad attitude at work. You're not doing God a favor, you're doing him an injustice when your relationship is not driving you in a commitment that says God is good and I'm sitting at a table that has nothing to do with the opposition around me. Sitting down is hard to do, but it's the one thing we were called to do. It's not the call to ministry. It's not the call to big extravagant works. It's the call to be seated in the intimate place that allows me to not be hindered by opposition in things of this life. You have the greatest impact when you are consistent. Only by his power can we rest in the full supply for every good work. Throw me that bottle of water, Joe. Excuse me, people. Love y'all. Only by his power can we rest in the full supply for every good work in the midst of opposition. It's only by his power. Only things, all things have been given. Not all things are to be fought for. And what I mean by that is, it is so much easier to wield that sword it's so much easier to think I'm supposed to just go into battle with a bad attitude. I just got to fight tooth and nail. And my whole life, everything about Christianity was a fight. Everything about Christianity was a, a battle all the time. Satan's on my back. He's really fighting. 
oh my God, that is the most pathetic response to the cross I've ever heard of because nothing about Jesus ever displayed that kind of head knowledge. Nothing about Jesus ever displayed that kind of a walk. That I live defeated, beat up, and completely governed by my opposition. Jesus lived in power and authority that walked it out no matter what. When they were pulling his beard, when they were whipping his back, when they hung him on a cross, he still oozed out love and kindness and goodness. And we were created to walk in his likeness and in his image. And I have to understand that even though my opposition is not changing, that I'm seated and I don't have to convince anybody of anything. His power has given all things needed to us, but the gate he sent it through is knowledge, which is participation. It's participation in relationship that God in turn causes it to influence everything we are. When he said, in the presence of my enemies, that breaks down to, that presence breaks down to directly before me. It's the seated place of total authority in our Father that proves to the enemy you are on the losing end of my victory in Jesus. You don't have to convince the devil of who you are. Live in a seated position and he'll know who you are. Don't feel like you need to live in a place of convincing your opposition who you are. Be seated, live in your inheritance and understand your opposition will know who you are. I don't go out and try to convince Satan every day that I can walk in the supernatural. No, I walk in intimate relationship, and when I see the opportunity for God's goodness to be displayed, I step into that, and therefore darkness has to leave, whether that be whatever sickness, whatever broken relationship, broken heart, broken mindset, people that just need to know the love of the Father. It's a place we live in that I'm in direct reflection of my inheritance that God has given me, and I have it on display. But it's a consistent, intimate relationship. There's a guy named Dick Mills. He's a, a good friend of uh, Bill Johnson's. And I, I heard this story one time in a testimony video. And, and God was just really harassing him. I mean, not God. Satan was just really harassing him. Just coming at his family with a lot of different things. And he finally got fed up to the point where he got in, went home, got in his house. And he put two chairs and he made them face each other. And he said, devil, sit down. I'm going to worship God and you're going to watch me. When we get to the place where we're not trying to convince our opposition that I have a position and we just sit down, worship, focus on him, we begin to just produce like him. We need some consistent believers that are more worried about being known than being heard. To be known is to be intimate and seated with the Father. To be heard is you trying to convince everyone around you that you have a deep relationship when people who stand in the shallow feel like they need to convince. Shallow Christianity makes you feel like I need to convince who I am. Deep Christianity rooted in the nature of our Father allows you to live boldly with authority that it doesn't matter what people say, this is who I am. I don't... Do we have his nature? Let's jump back up there to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's read this right quick again. Finish it up. By which, through the knowledge of him called us by glory and virtue, by which have 
been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through the promises, we may be partakers of the divine nature. It is his nature. Fruits of the Spirit, it is his nature. We live like our Father. Not, we live like our Father. He's a good dad and his nature will change the world around us, but we were meant to reflect it. Do we have his nature? Ask the person next to you, do you have his nature? It's a rhetorical question some of you don't answer. We're going to get there. We're going to pray. We're going to have an altar call in a little bit. It's by his power <laughs> we have been given all things through participation in relationship. In this, we live in his promises, and in his promises, we display his nature. Do you not have his nature? Then where are you standing? Where are you sitting? Where are you living your life of relationship? I used to feel like I needed a title for me to step in to the call of God out of my life. For the longest time, I served at this church in the background, and I felt like I could only minister out there if I had been given a title by man that would give me the authority to walk in my calling. False. When I understand who God calls me to be, I never need a title by a man for me to step into the authority that was preordestined way before I showed up. But if I don't understand who I am, I'll live outside of relationship fully convinced that I've got to come up with the most head knowledge to convince the world that I have a seat at the table. It's a position that God gave to you. Can't be taken, but it can be neglected if you don't sit down. It's through the promises that we live out his nature. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. We got a few more places we're going to go and then I'll wrap up. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. When I was preparing for this uh, message this morning, this is the this scripture was the first message I preached in intimacy. Five weeks of intimacy. This was the first message that come out of these scriptures, and God brought it full circle around to close out this. Uh, this time in this intimate place, learning how to be seated because in the seated place, you won't be wishy-washy. You won't be up and down and in and out. I'm so sick of babysitting people that just don't know how to be committed. It just comes down that when opposition is there, just be committed. Just sit down and understand. Be fully convinced that God has your best. He's pouring it out. He set it at the table. And if you'll just say seated, you'll see him come through every single time. Opposition don't have to leave. Darkness is going to know that God is the light. He will triumph through everything. Just stay committed. <clears throat> Communion right here with the Holy Spirit breaks down to participate. It is a participation in relationship. He called us co-laborers. We cannot skate through life thinking I do not participate in relationship and expect the full inheritance of God to be dumped on us. No, it was prepared. Now I have to sit down. He's not going to waste things on those that are sitting back uncommitted. 
You want me to tell you something different? I can't. It's the Bible. He wanted those that were committed with their heart. Where is the posture of your heart? Are you seated? Are you in love with him? And when the feeling's not there, are you still loving him? Are you still committed? He wants sons and daughters that reflect his goodness all of the time. Not when the moment rides in. Not when the sanctuary gets hyped up. Not when the worship's just like it needs to be. No, he wants sons and daughters that live in his nature 24 7 365 and it does not have to be contingent on how the opposition that day looks I don't get up, walk out my door, go to work, and figure out what my relationship's going to look like. I know before I ever leave the house who I am, what I am, who God says I am, and who he is because I've spent time with him. You can rob me of every natural thing I have, but you can't take my relationship. You can't take my seated place. You can't take who I know I am. You can't take who I know he is. Some of you have the greatest head knowledge, but no understanding of his nature because it's only through application with Holy Spirit in relationship that you understand his nature. Head knowledge will only go so far, but when you sit down and build relationship, you understand your inheritance. So many of us fight things we were never created to fight. You were never to go to battle with. The opposition of joy is heartbreak. It is sadness. All the things that are contrary to his nature, the opposite of his nature. You weren't created to live in this fight with them. You were created to ooze everything he is, and therefore darkness cannot have a hold on the things he's given you. They're yours. But if you don't understand it, you will live life defeated and flaky. Flaky. I like that word because I feel like too often we don't want to say it. But when you're uncommitted and up and down, you're flaky. Flaky is not a place you can live in full inheritance. Flaky is flaky and you will live your life beat up, disgusted, hurting, broken, and never experiencing the full capacity that God preordained for you if you're not committed. Psalms 23, 1 and 3. We're just jumping up above verse 5. And I want to round it out with this. This is in the Passion Translation, so it's going to look different if she puts it up there. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. Wow. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me my pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. Everything he says in this scripture started with relationship with him. It's your connection to him. It's your intimate relationship with him. And then therefore he goes on to say, David says, you can walk me through the deepest darkness and fear will not conquer me. Is fear conquering you? Are things that are not his nature conquering you? Are they taking your joy? Are they taking the attributes of God away from your life through opposition? Then where is your relationship at? Where is your intimacy at? What matters the most to you? 
Is it your ability to be seen the will of God? I'm so adamant about finding the will of God on your life. But so many people spend their whole life looking for the will. If they would have just sat down, they would have begun to walk in the will because it's his good pleasure to give us the things that are his. We become consumed on what I got to get. Just sit down and get to know him. Spend time with him. Love him. Be committed. And you'll begin to walk in the fullness that he preordestined for you. It starts with position. Resting place in his love. All the promises stream from the position with the Father. It has nothing to do with us. It's what he did on the cross. But the greatest prepared table in history before me means nothing unless I'm sitting at it. I shared this the first time God brought this up to me, and I think it was in Texas. But a lot of times in storms growing up, we would do it at my dad's house. We do it at Pastor M's a lot now that we live up here. But any time bad storms would come around, we would all pile up around the table, eat junk food, eat fried deer meat, eat whatever it was. But it never mattered how bad outside it got because we were around the table. My focus was the table. My focus was those fried boudin balls. My focus wasn't the bad winds and the storm coming. It was the table. If you would get your focus off the storm and sit down, be in relationship, be committed, you would see your life turn instantly. All of these things he prepared weren't meant to be lived out after I've built this relationship over many, many years. No, it was an inheritance that was given the moment you surrender. It comes on the other side of surrender. The reason we think it's such a long process is because we've seen so many believers make it a long process. The Israelites, I think they broke it down with as many people the Israelites had that that journey was supposed to be like a seven-day journey, six-day journey or something like that. They spent 40 years doing it. You can live your entire life in a process that was meant for you to begin to walk in immediately because you're hard-headed and uncommitted. The Israelites wanted it their way. Therefore, they spent 40 years and never got to inherit what was truly theirs. You'll do the same. If you don't understand, it's through, and it is through me surrendering to the will of God and being committed. Every time the Israelites had an opportunity that they seen incredible opposition, if they would have been seated in the mindset, in the nature of God, that he brought us out of captivity, he's going to keep us, he's going to give us food, he's going to give us water. All I've got to do is stay committed. I've got to stay trusting. I've got to know that no matter what the opposition is, it's going to be good. They would have got to walk into the promised land and understood that in right relationship with him, staying committed, staying, knowing, and seated that he is good, then they would have walked in all of those things and got to live in their full inheritance. It is the same thing with us believers now. You can live your whole life in a process that comes right on the other side of surrender. It takes a growing. Yes, you grow in it. I grow in it every day. I'm going to continue to grow in it. But it starts on the other side of surrender starts on the other side of being seated in relationship. Let's pray. We don't have no way to play a piano. You don't need no music. If you need music to get right and get something good with God, you'll spend a whole lot of time not getting it right, not getting it good. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over this body. 
But if you have found yourself in a place that you have given up things that God paid for, they're yours, and you don't feel like you're living in them, let's get them right right now. Walk out of this place knowing that you can go back to your family. You can pull down heaven on earth in every situation in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your school, at your job. Wherever you find yourself, you were created to live in the full inheritance, and it's on the other side of surrender and commitment. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please don't draw your idea of who he is as a father from somebody that's lived in religion around you your whole life. God is good, he is faithful, and he will carry you through every opposition you ever find yourself in. He will give you the things that you need, he will lead you and guide you, and he will give you the Holy Spirit that everything you do in this life is blessed and abundant. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your goodness. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, if there's anybody in this place right now that through maybe just a lack of commitment, a lack of just sitting down, maybe that we just don't even know it, that we've stood up and we begin to try to fight these battles that God already defeated, Jesus already defeated on the cross. I pray right now you just reveal. Holy Spirit, reveal it right now. And I pray right now as you're revealing it, God, I pray you bring surrender to the hearts of those that want to step into the full inheritance of God. And I pray today, every day, we live out this thing when the feelings aren't there, when it ain't all hunky-dory, God, that we live knowing that you are a good father and you've got good things prepared for your kids. Every day, every single day, we get to reflect your nature. We get to walk in your goodness and know that you are Abba and you are working all things for those who love you. Love is a commitment and we commit to it today. God, if there's anybody in this place, Jesus Christ, that doesn't know you as their personal savior, we invite you into their heart right now, God. If that's you, just invite him in. He's a good dad and he's coming to make his home in you that you may know the good things of him as a father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for time with family. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.